1: Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm here with Nick. Hey, how you doing, buddy? I know that's a big surprise. I was shocked. You're right. I do appreciate you having here. This week, this is an episode about the most common ways energy is produced in the United States, or even in the world, and some of the myths that go along with them.
2: Okay, well, I don't think it sounds so bad. I mean, it's not like you're going to sit here and say that we should abolish the oil industry or anything. Well, you
1: never, hey, hang on, you will never actually abolish it. It will greatly reduce.
2: Okay, I think we can all agree it's not a terrible concept.
1: No, that's one of the things that we're going to talk about, is that when it comes to like political arguments or people fighting about teams, they always say, well, you're trying to abolish the fossil fuel industry. There will always be minor markets. Diesel, for an example, diesel engines will still be in use for the next 10, 15 years, especially for uh, certain industries. So you never really abolish it. We're just in the process of making that transition. We also don't use whale oil to light our house anymore. Well, maybe you don't, but I happen to love the scent. <laughs> <laughs> the joke. So I guess that kind of segments us directly into fossil fuels because we break down energy into like three different categories. Obsolete. Which, is it obsolete today? No, but it is going to be obsolete for mass use at some point. And there's reasons, and we'll get into them. Clean energy and renewable energy. The reason why we break these up is because there's a lot of misconceptions that if you just have renewable energy, we're good to go. That doesn't even begin to make sense. Well, and because there's always a conversation about renewables are good. Well, they are. Uh, They can be. That's not necessarily true.
2: No, it's, it's true when put into perspective. If you're going to flatline it across the board and say they're good, well, they are good. But just because a renewable source of energy may do the job for certain like factories and stuff, doesn't mean they're going to prove equally useful across all industries.
1: Well, and that's true. And let's get into some of these. Well, first, we're going to start with fossil fuels and get them out of the way. The biggest, there's two big problems with fossil fuels. Do you know what they are?
2: Big problems?
1: Big The biggest
0: problems.
2: The biggest problem would be the fear that it elicits when you say the words fossil fuels. (laughs) Um, No, I'm just going to say I don't know because I want you to tell me.
1: Okay, well, then we're going to... First one is, of course, the emissions. The emissions that are created from the use of fossil fuels and the collection of are what's contributing to some of the climate problems that we're having on Earth. Okay. It's a carbon buildup. So when we start our vehicle... The mass balance of when you fire that engine and it goes from a liquid fuel to energy, the emissions are what's causing us a lot of concern. Okay. The other part is, is I know in in a very far-stretched imagination, it's renewable, but it's finite. It really is finite. We use it way quicker than we can pump it out of the ground or pull it out of the ground. We will use our supply up. This is a feedstock That is not, it it has some scarcity to it. It is not an unlimited source of energy for us.
2: I would say that from the outside looking in, because this is new to me, my fear with fossil fuels is the lengths people have gone in the past to obtain them. And that while I don't feel necessarily that in my lifetime we're in danger of running out of oil per se because we're not in my lifetime it doesn't mean that one country might not go to another one that has more of a more of a supply and decide that they want that supply that you know kind of scares me because when you when you say renewables my instantly I, I go to like solar and wind and there's solar and wind across the entire planet so it's not like <laughs> it's not like you're going to decide to go over to another country and be like well you've got more sun than we do we're going to steal it I mean, I guess if you really want to trade places on the globe with someone else, it does get, you know, warmer, longer days and less of a winter. Good for you. But <laughs> that's,
1: I don't know. I, I... The The problem with fossil fuels isn't just the climate, but it, it will also create some scarcity. And we talked about when energy is produced and sent from one place to another, very little of it makes it. There's a lot of loss. and We you know. lose a crap load. So when we're burning coal... And there were, and you're still not accounting for all the energy it took to get it. You're energy negative by the time it hits the house.
2: And that's why the cost is so high. Well, and it's, it, it
1: really isn't high if you look at the whole structure of what it takes to accomplish it. There's so much there. I feel it's high because I don't like paying between two fifty and four fifty a month for an electric.
2: Oh no 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 no! It's high. <laughs> if I've got to pay, we've already had this conversation. If we're paying four to $5,000 a year to keep lights on and the heater on, which are two things that you kind of need to live, it's high.
1: But also keep in mind that there's very few people who try with real effort to minimize it. That we're not necessarily always insulating. We're not doing all the things that we talk about on this show to help minimize that cost because it's not considered, it's not thought of most of the time. I agree with that. It's more of just, it is what it is and we pay it. If we worked hard to reduce it, it isn't an exorbitant cost. Now, as time goes on, it's actually going to get cheaper if done correctly because some sources have no cost. Right now, we're going and digging holes and we're drilling holes for oil and we're you know looking for natural gas and fracking natural gas out and all these other things. It's a lot easier when the energy source comes to you. I agree with that. And you don't have full industries for processing and so forth. But all the all the energy plant does with fossil fuels is burn it and create a steam engine. Your local power plant is just a large steam engine, and it turns a turbine using heat. Okay. So all these are the sources they bring in to make the fire.
2: It seems pretty outdated. Just saying it sounds outdated. Well,
1: you're feeling that way because there's also a train in the back. Cause we're
2: in Duran, but no,
1: it's, (laughs) and you know, what's funny about that is, is as we get into other technologies that you think are high tech, they are also steam engines. We generally collect energy or induce electricity the same way.
2: Isn't nuclear the same way? Nuclear power
1: is a very expensive steam engine. A nuclear reaction creates friction, which creates heat, which boils the water, which creates
2: steam, which pushes through a turbine. Yeah, I knew that one, because I remember. I remember when I found out about that one, I was flabbergasted. Right. It just I mean, it is a
1: clean source, because I'm going to talk about that under clean sources, and maybe we are, we're kind of pushing into it now. It is a clean source, but it has a really bad downside. Yeah. Which, if and not that every plant melts down, it's just some do, and when they do, it is catastrophic. So you're going to hear people say that nuclear is a Clean, fresh source of electricity, that is still true, which is way more true than when someone uses the term clean coal. Clean coal is a fictional concept. That's an attempt to do recapture, but there's never really been a clean coal because you still have to go get it. You still have to process. There's a whole lot more. They pick one little section and go, see? All better, but all the processes to get there are well, pick, just as
2: bad. Picking and choosing your um your desired information that you want conveyed is very similar to the greenwashing thing we talked about. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of aspects of the the marketing for energy that aren't necessarily forthcoming and true. Uh, with but I have a couple of questions about nuclear, if you don't mind. Sure. So, with nuclear power plants, most of them are built quite some time ago, right? Like they're not. It's not necessarily a new technology. No, and, it's an old technology. And I assume the plants that have melted down probably haven't been updated and maintained well
1: uh sometimes you have companies trying to make money Uh, i believe in india was the latest example of a meltdown that uh, caused was caused through an attempt to save money but for an example chernobyl sometimes people just make mistakes and now we have a lot more automation We have a lot Mm -hmm. more uh, computer systems that help make sure we have checks and balances to reduce that, which is why we haven't had any major meltdowns. We think of uh, Fukushima, Mm -hmm. but that was a natural disaster hitting a plant and them not being able to shut it down quick enough.
2: So when it comes to nuclear reactors, when the technology was built, since a lot of different nuclear programs, especially in this country and other big countries, were kind of brought to a halt during the Cold War after it finished, have, has nuclear technology in regards to reactors for energy been cont- continuously worked out and improved over the years? Or do they just kind of get to a point and go, okay, we're good enough. We're just going to augment how we read it.
1: No, uh, it's, it has gotten better year over year, good. even during what you would consider to be the quiet time. Okay. It never slowed down. Good. What's great. What countries did is said, we're building nuclear energy, not nuclear bombs. So they could continue to do their research. They could continue to work with nuclear technology. And it did make safer plants. Now, with that being said, I did not put that in the obsolete section because it's probably the technology that helps us get to where we need to be in the future. It is a clean source. And right now, emissions are a big deal. Mm-hmm. So what you were talking about a few minutes ago about greenwashing, the natural gas movement Mm -hmm. is exactly that. Because coal and oil are reducing in its availability, because the stigma has grown, people do realize that's a bad form of energy or source Mm -hmm. of feedstock. They can say natural gas is a cleaner, cleaner energy because when it burns, it gives off less emissions.
2: But it still gives
1: off emissions. It still gives off emissions, and you're going to hear me. I'm going to say this now, and then we'll talk about it later. If you burn it, it's useless to me, because there's so many things we can do that don't have to burn. But the problem with natural gas, yeah, you save about, I think it's around 30% of the emissions, but they had to roll out a whole network. They had to construct a whole network of pipe systems and pumps and regulators and all these things across our states.
2: So... They built almost an entire infrastructure Mm -hmm. to reduce a problem, not fix it. Correct. And that infrastructure
1: leaks. Now, that infrastructure, when it leaks, leaks methane. Methane is between 7 and 10 times more potent than that carbon was. I love good news. So, the greenwashing effect here is actually making things worse. Because I can tell you, just recently we stopped at a friend's house. There's a natural gas substation near Mm -hmm. their house, and Jameson asked me, hey, on the way here, did you smell all the natural gas? Because, of course, they put additives in them for safety, and I, no, I hadn't, but when I left there, I was consciously thinking about it. And you noticed it. it. I stopped at the stop sign. I am three properties away, Mm -hmm. so about three acres, and I could smell it clear as day, which means how much methane is being expelled from that one facility all day long. It's got to be a tremendous amount. I don't doubt it. So even though it has a combustion advantage, it does not have an overall, because now you, have, you get to count up, remember the embodied energy game, you get to count all that infrastructure mm-hmm. against it and its leaks against it. That's why fossil fuels are in the obsolete category. And as we get into other ones, you'll see why they should be. Mm-hmm. Because again, I'm going to talk about burning is useless to me. So, I know I had a list, but I'm going to skip around in the list a little Sorry bit. Sorry about that. No, you're good. Um, I'm choosing, to the renewables, because that's a big conversation for a lot of people. You hear biofuels, for an example, or let's burn our trash and use that as energy, or nowadays, even our own consumer's energy here in Michigan considers wood their, their part of their renewable resources, but we use wood well beyond what we can grow the it.
2: only the only aspect of wood that makes it renewable is the sense that when you tear a forest out you can plant a new one but that that source if you will isn't really ready for harvest for 20 or 30 years and mm-hmm. the problem with that right there is that when you plant a tree it takes 5 10 15 20 years to mature Depending on the species of tree, depending on, you know, how much sunlight it gets and, and, and how much nutrients in the soil, how mm-hmm. much water it has, could take any number of years, you know, to grow. By the time they get ready to send a logging company in to tear them all out, it's an entire ecosystem that's been built around this new forest. Animals live there, different species of bugs and grubs and birds. And it's, yep. it's more than just, oh, it's a renewable, renewable resource. It is... But it it's,
1: isn't. it's not sustainable in well, any way. No. Now, there's other ones that are just like that. For me, biofuels. Biofuels are growing a plant or a crop or a bacteria or growing something and then using either its gases or its, or to burn it. For an example, ethanol. When we grew, we had all this corn in America. We'll just make gas out of it. Okay. What no one realized was everything has corn in it they started to produce fuel with a a sizable chunk of that corn and the price of everything went up. So the vehicle that used the ethanol fuels was a little bit, was more expensive. Mm -hmm. So you almost had no advantage to using them because yes, it was a little bit cheaper gas, but you paid for it in the vehicle. But you also paid for it in your dog food. You also paid for it in mass transportation. You paid for it in your own groceries. Mm -hmm. Anything with corn in it it out. was affected, yeah. So, when I look at this objectively, as we have a growing population, land is for food, not for fuel, which could be way wrong if there was no other ways to get fuel, but there is.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of other ways to get energy.
1: So, when I look at biofuels and all these unique things, I like, I love the creativity, but none of them are a long term solution. Because if you have to buy it or you have to harvest it and buy it, you got to count all that energy. Mm-hmm. It cannot be energy negative, so for me, wood biofuels—they're just out the window. Now there is one source of collection that I'm not a hundred percent against: hydrogen fuel, because mm-hmm. hydrogen is the most abundant element in the United in the world or the U- universe. Act. But if you allow people to collect it and sell it, it's going to be expensive, or it's going to be—it's going to be priced in a range. That suits them, not us.
2: Which is, yeah, it's kind of the nature of business. So that's not what we're looking for. Now, if
1: if I had my energy grid um, happy list of how I would want it to work, hydrogen fuel is a part of it. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe, I, I think we can do this without having to collect a fuel source per se. Mm-hmm. And that's because there's so many other options. Now, when I sent you this list of renewable, did you notice that I put new hydro on that same list? Because, I mean, a lot of us know hydro works a lot of the same. The water pushes through. We use the kinetic energy. It turns the turbine. Mm -hmm. It induces a voltage. Yeah. But we learned over the years, hydro is not great for its environment.
2: Well, not in the ways that it's been done in the past. I mean, if you're talking hydroelectricity, you're talking about dams. Yeah. And they destroy an entire ecosystem, Mm -hmm. no different than the trees we were just talking about. They wipe something out, put in a man-made structure. Once everything's been recovered and everything is fine, then it's it's great. Don't tear it out because you're just repeating the same process. Yep.
1: You'll never hear me asking for new dams it's one of those things that it was a learning experience for the mm-hmm. United States. And I think we've learned, uh, when you talk about clean energies and good clean energies, existing hydro can fit because now that the ecosystem has formed itself around our, our structure, it should
2: stay there as long as possible. Well, yeah, because like, like I literally just said, mm-hmm. once they tear it out, it just repeats the same problem it caused in the first place. You know, Nature will always find a way as long as we allow it to. And so when you tear out, you know, acres and acres of land or riverbed to build a dam, animals are going to come back. Mm-hmm. The grass is going to grow. The trees are going to come back. But once it heals, right, right, leave it. And really, we shouldn't
1: be causing situations where healing needs to be done. So I will always say new, no new hydro because it, there's no need for it, honestly. Same thing with, I like physical batteries when they can be used instead Mm -hmm. of like lithium-ion. So for an example, in some places in the United States, we have these old coal mines that are up in the mountains where they've blown the top of a mountain off. Mm -hmm. It creates this huge structure underneath where they, when you have too much electricity, a hydro dam can pump water up that hill. Mm -hmm. and that will fill all the all those caves and crevices from where they've mined everything out of it and in times of shortage they can actually release that water and let it run back down through a turbine that's a physical battery Uh, now granted still limited but it's something that we can do hydro has other helpful points too
2: what's the amount of time the water would be sitting in there it's all dependent upon. It can
1: sit there for quite some time. You will. You may actually start to get a small ecosystem if you're not recycling it quick enough. Most of the time, it is going to be cycled through on a regular basis. So, okay. Because they ha- they're going to want to pump more up there, bring it back down. They're using it to balance the electrical grid. Gotcha. It's an on-demand electrical system using gravity. Now, one of the fun ones to talk about, and remember, I've worked with environmentally minded political groups in the past. And this one gets me in trouble. There's a difference in multiple kinds of geothermal. Mm-hmm. Now, in case anybody, I, I'm assuming most people know what geothermal energy is, but it is using the Earth's heat. Again, steam engine. We send water or a fluid down, the Earth heats it up, It create it. create you get a phase change, create steam, and that steam pushes through a turbine geothermal is another steam engine mm-hmm. okay but i use i put the word advanced geothermal in front of this one instead of the other which was called shallow geothermal can you kind of assume what the differences are there the depth
2: since you said shallow it is
1: the depth but it's more of the operation now when i think when you think about shallow geothermal which i am 100 percent cool with I am a huge fan. It's still a steam engine, but think about Old Faithful.
2: So, okay, continue. I think I know where you go with this.
1: So that heat is very close to the surface. Yeah. Which means you don't really have to go down much at all to g- get this a heat that you need to flash steam that water, mm-hmm. okay? Advanced geothermal, you have to go down much further, mm-hmm. which requires fracking. okay. So, you know, a lot of people are very upset about fracking when it comes to fossil fuels, but are very, very comfortable with geothermal.
2: Can I make it... Can I ask an ignorant question, please? Oh, pretty please. Okay, so when you talk about shallow geothermal versus, like, the other geothermal... I would assume that shallow geothermal is a lot more dangerous, circumstantially. When you talk about Old Faithful, Mm -hmm. generally geysers, all the heat comes from pressure, right? I mean, it's essentially, it's pressure you know, from the moving plates and stuff, which is relatively close to the surface in that regard. But that also means there's there's lava and there's magma. And usually those are present around volcanoes and stuff like that. So I'm not, when I say dangerous, I'm not talking about human air. I'm talking about when the earth decides to have a hiccup.
1: (laughs) Well, and well, if that's the case, the we have a very large swath of land in the north, uh, northwest that, you know, I think they said this is the location of a super volcano that someday, uh, Yellowstone will erupt, and if that's the case, yeah, that's probably really, really dangerous. <laughs> but I'm not
2: referring to a super <laughs> volcano per se. I was just asking in regards to small heat vents that you know you're the one that told me that in Hawaii when you guys were on your honeymoon, there were spots where they literally told you like don't go here or if you go here, they may never find your body, blah, blah
0: yep. blah,
1: yeah, because you don't have to fall far. To get enough heat. Mm -hmm. And these plants are good sized plants. They build a facility that is, has large anchored systems. It is, you're not going to lose it. It's not going to, it's not going to be sucked down or pulled down from a, uh, from pulling the material out from the underneath. It's, it's too large of a facility. Now, I can't say yes or no, because I don't know the geology of all, uh, most of the shallow Okay. what I can tell you is it has proven to be a safe extraction thus far. Okay, then what we have found with advanced is that fracking Mm -hmm. has turned Ohio into an earthquake zone. When you fracture the stability of the ground that everything sits on, Mm -hmm. rob a material from the middle.
2: That space has to be filled with something.
1: Everybody seemed to be baffled when it resettled. Mm -hmm. and is continuing to resettle. And now Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Ohio are now considered to be seismic locations. Well, the only thing that's changed is fracking.
2: That kind of makes sense, though. I mean, to put it in layman terms, if you take take a cup full of dirt Mm -hmm. and you drill a hole in the bottom of the cup and the dirt starts to kind of slowly come out, the top is going to come down, or it won't. And there'll be a big crevice in the middle. And then once it breaks and collapses, it falls down. you take something out of the bottom, if there's no structure to hold the top in place, it has to move. Right. At some
1: point, gravity does its job. So
2: that's kind of common sense. Now, when you say earthquakes or seismic activity, it's not necessarily like you know those cities are or are not. They may and they may not be on the edges of two titanic plates that are really building friction and moving, mm-hmm. per se but if they're creating holes, you know, deep underground. It's going to have to be filled.
1: Right. Well, when you and I say fracking, people think fossil fuels. But fracking is also done in thermal energy. Okay. So, when you start looking at the geothermal, the first question I ask is it shallow or advanced? Because <clears> if it's advanced, I want no part of it. I don't want bedrock constantly being fractured.
2: So you want you want shallow. That's what you're leaning towards. Yep.
1: Uh, it's it has proven to be safe it's close it's cheaper cuz it's close mm-hmm. it's a close source now i will say that your plants usually only last between 7 and 10 years but most of them kind of cycle through those phases anyways just from becoming obsolete mm-hmm. but what they do is it ends up cooling the area over time we we start extracting large amounts of heat so they didn't de- they tend to have to shift to another place build another one but it is a reasonably clean source, other than the construction, of course, of the facility. Okay. But when you go into clean sources, that's different. And I know the first person who is going to be, you know, I know people will be negative when they when I say clean because they say you got to build a solar panel. You got to build the wind turbine. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's no good disposals for especially wind turbines right now. I assume there'll be a situation where we can actually refurbish pieces. What better. are they made out of? Uh, I would I would have to double check on that, but I, be, I believe it's a carbon fiber. I believe it's actually a reinforced carbon fiber material. okay? But it's right now they still bury them. That's a problem. They need to have a, we have to have a refurbished program, if you will, to be able to use that equipment over and over again. But clean sources, nuclear, of course, we've discussed. Mm-hmm. The most expensive steam engine on the market. With choo the choo. occasional ability to cause superheroes from radioactive exposure.
2: Um, I don't believe a superhero has happened yet. I would be willing to admit that I would like to be the first test subject. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the right now, the best forms of energy, which have in the last few years been a little stunted, so their growth dipped a little bit, mm-hmm. but they didn't stop growing is solar, of course, panels. Mm -hmm. Uh, The photovoltaic panel is one of the better uses. Now, I'm not a huge fan of filling a field. That field should still be food. There's plenty of useless space on roofs. There's plenty of useless space on a basketball court. There's plenty of useless space in our cities on the sides of buildings. There's all kinds of space that can collect electricity.
2: I agree with that especially the building conversation we've had that many times i wouldn't be opposed to a future where all buildings look like they're covered in black glass like i don't have a problem with the idea of walls and ceilings being covered sorry roofs being covered and solar panels i think that's a wonderful idea I, i don't agree with the field thing I don't think that, I don't think every field should be used with food. I mean, if you want to plant stuff, great. Make it a yard again, put trees in it. Give, oh, give nature a chance. But we, we've already talked about how much uh, overproduction there is commercially in food in this country. In fact, we did an episode on food waste. So if that 10 acres you know, out back doesn't become soybeans, oh well. Well, in, in a sustainable world, we get 33% of our production back. Because we have
1: all that waste in food, which means less property has to go to agriculture. You know, there's a whole positive feedback loop to doing it right. Uh, but I always say that you save the land for human need. And human need doesn't necessarily mean fuel. We have plenty of other fuel options. Uh, there's, I, I just read today, a turbine that could power a house for two days on one spin.
2: You know, there's how big is that? It's,
1: a, it's an offshore. It's very large.
2: <laughs> so one spin would power, one house for two days. Okay. So I'm assuming when you say one house, what's the, the, the system of measurement? We're talking about a house here.
1: Well, you're talking. Well, they're going on either mega gigawatts, but the houses are using
2: kilowatts. No, I mean the size of the house. Not, not, not
1: standard living U.S. is what they uh,
2: standard living U.S.
1: U.S. Yes, okay. Which U.S. is a highly consumptive home. So
2: yeah, it's also uh, it's also very different depending on what part of the country you live in. Very true. So you say one one spin powers a house for two days for two days. So if it continuously spun, one could conceivably, if it continuously went, could power a small town. Yeah,
1: absolutely. No, uh, and there's not. So wind turbines are highly effective. No matter what people say, do not let someone tell you we're going to run out of uh, run out of wind. It's a
2: fundamental misunderstanding of where the wind came from. If okay, so. If the wind is blowing and it hits the turbine and they're aerodynamically shaped so it makes it move like a fan like you have at home, Mm -hmm. but the wind is blowing it. The wind doesn't stop and go, well, our job is done, and dissipate into nothingness. Right. It's just convection. It's just just
1: air movement, pressures changing back and forth. Now, is there times when there's not enough air to move the blades? Absolutely. Even though the blades are very well designed. Did you know they're designed after blue whale fins? That makes sense. If you look at a blue, how a blue whale jumps out of the water and you see the fin come up, it uses the air to turn itself. Because it was so effective in what it did, they mimicked it with biomimicry into those blades, which increased their efficiency greatly.
2: When you say fin, do you mean the fluke? The fins, the big side fins. Again, not biologist. Um Okay. <laughs> the big swimmies. I, I didn't know that because I don't know much about blue whales and I've never seen one come out of the water like that, so I didn't know they did that. Yeah, uh. they they can breach. And what
1: what because I read a I like biomimicry. It's to me if you want to be an engineer, look at nature. It's figured it out usually. So, it, they took that design because a, a, a an animal that large is able to control its body movements out of its out of its general atmosphere, which is the our home environment is the water. And was able to control its movements by using the, the air, so they figured well, it, it would... must be efficient. They
2: mocked it up, put it on a wind turbine, and grew, and grew its efficiency. Well, I mean, it would have to work. They're so large that and when okay, when you say breach, you're using that loosely. There's no way that whale comes a hundred percent out of the no, water. No, they do. They come out of the water. They don't clear the surface. Its tail isn't coming out. <laughs> it's well, water's really funny that way because when you look at like your your body and you're in the water scaling this down as long as like your knees down or underwater Mm -hmm. you can lift quite a bit of weight high enough to carry it above the water without actually bringing it out of the water so when a whale breaches as long as it's lower 20 percent is still in the water it's really not supporting all of its weight above the water so it can do things like that and the wind's can have a huge effect on it if it's Mm -hmm. you know if its fins catch it like the sails of a ship it can turn that's super 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 genius now I have to Google blue whales because <laughs> I don't know much about them.
1: Well, and it was, uh, biomimicry is the study of nature when solving human problems. How did nature solve those problems? And at some point, we're probably going to have an episode on it because I love it. I have books That's a I great idea about it. It's really quite cool. So let's get back. We know nuclear energy, photovoltaic energy from solar panels, wind, there's tidal. So they hook things under the oceans, and create these floats that move back and forth mm-hmm. with the tides. And, and then at the bottom, put a gyro down there to induce electricity. That's just
2: utilizing the standard kinetic movement of our, of our oceans. So that probably doesn't produce nearly as much, no, but it's constant. But it's
1: constant. And then another interesting one, which I've never been a huge fan of, but I'm getting a little warmer on it, is solar reflective heat. They built this big Siron tower. looks like the eye following some hobbits. And all the way around it are these mirrors. Okay. And it reflects and concentrates the sun's energy on that one spot on the top, which is filled with superheated salt. Okay. That salt becomes, you know, highly... Induced with heat because mm-hmm. salt is conductive, and they use it to boil water, which runs steam through a heat engine. Or so <laughs> through you're a telling turbine.
2: me that the kids that grew up frying ants with a magnifying glass decided <laughs> yeah. to do it to water instead? Uh, salt water, yes. Okay.
1: Yep. It's, uh but it does work. It does function, and it does it does do its job, and we get to use salt, which we have an
2: overabundance of in this on this planet. And could you also? Use that as a way to like if it's if it's boiling salt water, couldn't you? I mean, because the salt doesn't evaporate, right? Mm-hmm. It stays in the water. Well, so it doesn't can, even. It's a closed system, so even the water doesn't escape. Never mind. There goes my next question. <laughs> I was like, you could use that to purify
1: water. Uh, they do have an extraction process like that. That is, you know, to get salt water to get fresh water out of the salt, mm-hmm. but or the salt out of the fresh water. The but it is another energy process that we use to collect, mostly in the Southwest.
2: So I've never actually heard of that. It sounds pretty cool. Now, there's
1: positives and there's negatives. We know fossil fuels, they're on their way out. No matter Mm -hmm. what the stigma is for either side of the aisle or people who want it to stay because of jobs, keep in mind something. When we shift to new industries, there's always more jobs. Old industries have learned to dwindle things down. They've dwindled it down to make it cost-effective, they've they've figured out how few people they can work with. Mm-hmm. New industries always have to hire. They're always growing. They're always moving forward. There's always investment towards them. So the arguments that you hear a lot of times that you can't let the fossil fuels dwindle, they'll never die. They like to use that word. They'll never actually die.
2: Well, there's still minor uses for some. And you mentioned earlier with the diesel. You know, diesel trucking is... What I consider a necessary evil, and it will be for a long time, that's a way we get goods across the country. And whether it's diesel trucking or diesel trains, I don't care. We need ways to transport huge amounts of goods from one location to another.
1: Yeah, and that stuff will slowly turn electric. But until then, we still need these industries. There's still going to be needs for some plastics. And again biofuels for plastics are not as good as using a waste product like we are now. Mm-hmm. It is not intuitive to everybody to say that's okay. And that's why I want to say it here. It is temporarily okay. As long as that usage continues to dwindle and gets mm-hmm. less and less and less, and clean sources continue to climb, we are moving in the right direction. Because you're going to hear say, you know, someone say, well, the wind doesn't blow all the time. And that is true. Not a, not all the time in the same spot. There's more to that sentence. Solar isn't it, the sun isn't always hitting the ground.
2: You're right in the same spot.
1: And our energy grid is she- garbage. Well,
2: so really, then what you would want in the ideal situation would be a new energy grid built that's integration of different types of renewable energy, so they could pick up for each other when there's you know a lack. And you're right, sun's not always in the same spot. That's the reason why solar panels pivot. The wind isn't always going to blow because some days you just have ridiculously hot days where there's no pressure movement. There's no heat. It's just a miserably hot
1: day. Well, and
2: now radiation
1: still hits our planet. Yeah. So I just recently saw someone has created a solar panel that absorbs ultraviolet rays. We're going to end up layering these. There's going to be more. But did you know that our energy grid has exactly what we need at all times? So there's no energy storage within the grid. That if you have if you drop below the threshold, you get a brownout. If you produce too much, you blow up a transformer. At that all seems times.
2: Pretty counterproductive.
1: Well, it's how our grid works right now. We have to dial it up and down. Did you know in the UK, during their best primetime show, the middle commercial, they have to crank up the electricity really quick. They gotta fire up extra because a large chunk of the people who live there turn on their electric kettles. That's peculiar <laughs> that our consumption they have to track the consumption because the grid has no storage, it is functioning with the ex with the amount it needs at all times. That's a problem that's a problem when it comes to clean sources because they fluctuate, and that is the complex energy problem that we have in America. It has to move to smart grids, it has to move to micro smart grids mm-hmm. that smart meter they put on your house. It's the beginning of fixing this energy problem because our grid is ancient and functions that way.
2: While I do agree with that, I don't know enough about the grids to really speak to this. But the one thing I would ask is that when it comes to changing to renewables and, and kind of moving forward with more of a, a green way of living with that kind of stuff, wouldn't it make more sense to set up? Grids around small communities yeah, in that regard, that's the microgrid system where each community
1: produces as much as they can to help subsidize their individuality. So you create these little cells all mm-hmm. over the United States so that if so, like right now if a squirrel hits the right transformer, the Northwest is gone and we're short. A few years back it or uh, it's quite a few years back now, but it did happen. If you have microgrids with, with balancing, you just lose that section temporarily. There is no catastrophic failure that cascades through the country. It just isn't an option on micro smart grids where if highly consumptive times in the summertime where all the air conditioning is kicking on, you could tell your house, you go to wash your clothes and it says the washer will will start at 2 o'clock in the morning when it's cheaper and no one even knows it's running and it's less consumption time to help balance the grid. You can override those. You can say, no, I need this for now and hit the button. Mm -hmm. But people like myself, like my energy bill, my energy is most expensive between two and six. Okay. I have tiered pricing. So if I wash my clothes after six and do all my extra stuff, I did that on purpose. I get, you know, when I I was leaving for work, I wasn't home till six anyways. So it worked out. It's absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, You just push your consumption to less used areas. And you okay. get a cheaper price, so we have to keep these things in mind. Is the reason why fossil fuels are being used now is because they can't. You can control the flow and control how much energy is coming through. You can dial them back. You can turn them up. That's challenging with clean sources.
2: Well, not, well, you would need storage that way. Like You would need to be able to store a good, not a ton, but a good amount of energy. So if you do need more, you just push more in.
1: Well, and I, I look at it this way. If I had my, my fantasy grid, if you will, I, it would be run by my clean sources, my shallow geothermal, my solar, my tidal. It will all be tied into microgrids, borrowing, balancing each other mm-hmm. across the United States, but supplemented. With uh, hydrogen fuel. Okay. So that it could be hooked directly to the water lines in the cities. And it can feed from, because remember it's using oxygen and hydrogen. So it uses the hydrogen to move the electron. Mm -hmm. The end result is fresh water. So you you just have these sources pushing through to get the electricity. It can just work within the city system. Mm -hmm. And that would have to be at a scale that you could dial up. Just like you could anything else. And then if you had too much, because that can happen, too much wind, too much solar, too much tidal, you can't just dial them down. You can shut down wind turbines, but I don't believe you should. I think you use that extra energy to desalinate water. Oceans are rising anyways. You desalinate that water. That's more fresh water back into the aquifer systems that have been depleted over the last 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And start replenishing the, our country's aquifers with all that extra energy. And it replenishes the water that the hydrogen fuel needs.
2: That's actually not a bad idea. Because, I mean, really, I would heard years ago that the Earth doesn't have a water problem. It's got a salt problem. Yep,
1: that's exactly what it's got.
2: So if you have an overabundance
1: of electricity, now's a great time to desalinate some water. Mm-hmm. Now, because hydrogen fuel also takes a lot of electricity. Because you're you're splitting atoms in a <laughs> sense, or you're sorry, not atoms. You're splitting. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you're blowing stuff well, up. Well, that
1: would be very bad. Um, no, but you're separating that oxygen and that hydrogen, so mm-hmm. you can use the hydrogen and release the oxygen. Plus, by the way, that releasing of the oxygen as a byproduct, which would probably be captured and used in hospitals and other ways. But if not, oxygen's a cooling gas. So when it gets released into the atmosphere, it's actually a plus gas. It helps. The, the overall climate concerns. Before anybody says anything, no, I have not tried to do the math on this. I did try in college to build a balanced grid where I could control the amount of electricity flowing through it, and it almost drove me nuts. I am not capable of doing that math. But <laughs> um, these are just concepts that I think can, when the time comes, when nuclear starts to dwindle off, hydrogen fuel might be able to fill that gap. Okay. Okay. So hopefully you've you found some of this stuff interesting, learning about how you know we've induced electricity over time and the, and some of the different sources, understanding why some just can't be the end-all, be-all of greatness right from the very beginning, or maybe some of the shortfalls of others. So that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you have comments, let's hear them. Put them on the site. Go to the Facebook group. Let us know. We appreciate you listening. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And we'll see you next week.